Blog Talk Radio. Our show is dedicated to our frontline warriors, the one that the stand on the front line, the one that's going out and doing the marching, talking about our young people, our uh, 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 people that decide that, hey, I can't take it anymore. I got to do what I got to do. I'm, you know, that's the purpose of being free on the inside. I have that freedom to go on out there. My head goes out to the frontline workers, to the ones that's willing to go out there. Myself, there, I'd like to go out there, too. I want to go out there. I want to be out there. Also, and I am out there in my own little way. So you, even though you can't be marching right now, even though you, you, you may feel like you're limited, but you're not. You can make a difference. You know, I love our little slogan that says, help change a life. What are you doing to help change a life, not only in the community, not only in the state, but of a nation, of your family, or whatever it may be, help change your life. And how do you do that? By addressing the injustice that's in this uh, world today and that's in society today. You're not where you are today, uh, not because someone else didn't pay the price. Now, someone else opened the doors for that permanent action so you can go to school and get a proper education. Someone else opened the doors where you can live where you are right now. Someone else opened the doors where you can go to college and do the things that God put to your hands to do. Amen. So we want to thank God for those men and women that went before. You know, I was excited yesterday and well pleased. I looked at the uh, march on Washington yesterday that was commemorating the 57th, the 57th uh, year of Martin Luther King going on that 57th anniversary of Martin Luther King marching on Washington. And they had a large turnout. They had some great speakers. And we're going to talk about those things today. But our calling number is um, 310-982-4126. You two can lend your voice to this program and tell us about what you're doing to uh, to uh, be involved in this uh, and what's going on today. We have our co-host on the line this morning, Brother Daniels. He's going to come in here, and he's going to lend his voice to the program. But as we open up this morning, wake up, everybody. Wake up. We can't keep doing things the way we always have been doing them. We just can't let things go by the way they have been. We got to make a difference. We all have been affected by what's going on one way or the other. Just think about it. Just think about it. Maybe one day you was pulled over and the police kind of mishandled you. Maybe one time you went to a job application and they told you right from the start that you wasn't qualified. Or even they may have told you that you was overqualified. Justice and uh, social injustice. It, we face it each and every day, but we can make a difference. We're going to bring up Brother Daniel right now, and we're going to get back with you shortly. Good morning, Brother Daniel. Good morning. Top of the morning to you today, Reverend Lewis. How you doing? It's bright and prosperous and morning. Well, good morning to you also, Brother Daniel. Uh, we got a new show hour here, so we pray it's just more convenient for you and our listening audience here. That calling number again is 310-982-4126. But, Brother Daniel, this morning here we want to uh, 
spark on this social injustice topic this morning here because there's so much going on today. There's so much going on today that we can make a difference. We can be involved in changing the hearts of a nation, changing the the uh, the thoughts of a nation, the taste, the makeup of a nation. We can make a difference. Amen, amen. As ever I see it and that I have seen it for years, you know, I would say like I'm, almost, I'm almost like a uh, pioneer. Uh, you know, when you get up in age, you start looking at a lot of things that you have seen in the past, and you try to uh, to have a, a comparison between what happened a long time ago and what's happening now. And we look at some of the things we're seeing is on the you know television screen. That's the only way we can really see things because. Uh, as I see it, the media is like a, a a focus point that it brings into our living room the things that we cannot see abroad. And so one of the main things when you were talking about uh, Reverend Martin Luther King, uh, the first impact he had on the people were the things that would happen in the South never were seen abroad. And so what the media did, they brought the TV cameras down there on the site and what they brought into the homes of the people all over the country was the the, the trust, injustice, and the things that were happening was seeing the visual effect of, you know, the dogs being put on the people, uh, the water hoses and putting on the folks and they were just getting, you know, battled and, and this abuse. And, you know, and and I would say today, even with these, these cell phones, that, you know, they can't hide nothing anymore. You know what I'm saying? And what we see, uh, like the other day we saw, well, this uh, guy got off inside his car, and he said, uh, the guy said he ran from Yeah, Jacob Blake. But if he... Jacob Blake, Mr. Blake, and and if you look at it, they said he tased him two times, and I was looking between the 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 the, um, the amount of time that elapsed between them saying that and the body cams, and he, I didn't see any kind of tasing going on. Well, it might have happened before they, you know, they, but I can't, I couldn't see it. Well, how about you, Reverend Lewis? Well, you know, Brother Daniel, you know, they're going to show us what they want us to see anyway, but we know that it wasn't any reason at all for them to do what they've done to that young man. And a list of other young people that they had uh, had an encounter with the police and didn't survive. We thank God for this young man surviving, man. He survived to tell the story. He survived to be a witness. He survived to let us know that this this here have to stop, man. I was thinking about, you know, yesterday I I looked at the – as much as I could to march on Washington. And it brings back to my remembrance of things that had happened that we had forgot about. But those things are still relevant today. You remember Trayvon Martin? Trayvon Martin was shot, man, with his hands up in the air. And he, he said, you know, and, and, and they shot him and they acquitted the man that shot him. And we thought, man, we got to do something about that. But since then, we had young ladies, Sarah Blake, you know, had died and, and, and a lot of, a host of other people name is very seldom ever mentioned that she died and just here in our own hometown here in our own city a young man died at his own house where can we go man that we can feel safe if you can't be feel safe at your own home inside of your house you know this situation has to change and i'm so glad to see that the conscience of america have been woken up the countries have America have been pierced. I, I look at it. I also look at it, uh, Reverend Lewis. Right. I look at it at. I look at it at the uh, the officers that we have in question, and I look at it that I was looking at a one officer saying that he was. Uh, he almost had to go through retraining physically and mentally in order to hold down his spot as being a police officer. Because number one, the main the main fault of them being a police officer is that they basically do not understand the black men 
and his plight and some of the reasons why they resist are sometimes, you know, uh, feel uh, disrupted when they are stopped on a traffic stop or any kind of uh, association with the police officer. And one of the main things was happen is basically uh, ignorance of whatever goes on both sides. You know what I'm saying? Basically, if you look at it, as I was always told that argument uh, goes both ways. You know, in order for you to be accepted, you have to be a good listener. And if you cannot be a good listener, you cannot be a good learner. You know, and, and what I'm trying to say, Reverend Lewis, if you already got a problem and you go before somebody and you almost had a bad night or something has been worrying you at night, uh, whatever you were at home, and then also you go on your job and you basically you taking out your problems on your job into a person that you stop you know, on the street, and basically the main thing what happens is you have this person's life in jeopardy because every time you are stopped, there's going to be some kind of, you know, transferring of uh, feelings or emotions that really will end in some kind of physical tragedy. You know what I'm saying? There's no way around it, you know. Either somebody's going to get hurt one way around on a, uh, a routine stop between officers if, if anything happens between any kind of disagreement. You know what I'm saying? Either you're going to hit him or beat him. You know, I remember back in the day, Reverend Lewis, they used to beat us up, man. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever heard that before? <laughs> Brother Daniel, they, matter of fact, they still beat us up right today, you know. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, sometimes I used to, I used to have this old, uh, we had like a, we had this deal like a, it was like a, this uh, urban legend. They say once they get you on that elevator downtown, they would say they stop the elevator and they also, they just go in and just beating you up, man, hitting y'all, you know, and then they they mostly used to hit you at places where it never would leave marks at. You know what I'm saying? And I said, boy, right, I I said, man, it goes on. You know, and, 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 you know, right now they can't do nothing because they got these, these body cams on them, you know? That's what was, that was the reason for them having them on them, you know? Uh, it, it records everything. Right, I but, understand. And but you know what, what, but, but what's going on is still that. going on, no matter. I mean, they look at it, but there's nothing done once all the the, the tragedy happens. There's no there's no yeah, one brother, stopping this. Brother Daniel, you know, as you were saying about the urban legend, that is a true fact. I have encountered some men that have been uh, into that uh, situation. And whenever, you know, good thing for cameras and body cameras and, and the phones, you know, uh, being able to take pictures because a lot of things are being revealed that we uh, we didn't we couldn't uh, uh, we didn't have any uh, witness to with the things that's going on now just with the last incident with the man being shot several times there if we had no cameras there uh, uh, we wouldn't have a, a witness there they can't be disputed you know they can always say you didn't really see it or what was you doing were you distracted I'm talking about if they were talking to people in general but now the cameras. The picture doesn't lie. You know what I'm saying? The picture says a thousand words, you know. Mm -hmm. The picture says a thousand words. And as you you were saying while ago, I was just thinking about it. You know, we do have to be able to rationalize and be able to uh, 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 address the issues at hand in clarity and uh, with a purpose. You know, when we've been pulled over, that's something that black people have to do that, that the white guys can't. I remember when I was younger, I used to go out and we was uh, young. We was go out with the white guys, and we still go out today. When we was a lot younger, we was undisciplined. The white guys would act a fool in front of the police, and the police would just tell them, hey, take him on home, get him away from here. But if we did the same thing, that we would catch 
hell, you know, and go to jail behind mm-hmm. something like that. So that is a two-armed yeah. justice system. That's a, one for the black man, one for the white man, and uh, and also the brown man is included in the black man. And so that's something that, uh, that's that been addressed today at the social injustice. You know, and I got to thinking, though, Brother Daniel, yesterday I was doing the March on Washington. They listed a, a whole list of people that I had forgot about. And these things have been going on, and they, and they had a, a – a, they had a, a, a stage there, or they had an opportunity for all the families that had been affected by violence to come forth and speak, and they ran out of time. I said, my God, this thing is is is, is uh, deeper than I thought. How in the world you, mm. you ran out of time where you didn't have time to address all the families that had been injured? And I was making a list of some of the people, and, and some of the people I hadn't even heard of, like Joel Escobedo. Uh, 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 a Latin guy, Puerto Rican young mm-hmm. man that was killed, man. He said he said the police arrested him and choked him, man. Uh, his dad mm. then said he was choked to death by the police. And then you had a, a Freddie Gray that had lost his life, man. Then you had an Oscar Grant. I said, man, some of these people are, uh, all over the country, man, men and women are being assaulted and losing their life because of the political system and the justice system in which we face today. And so I'm, I'm glad to see men and women coming forth there, not just black people, not just uh, brown people, but white people also have been affected by this, uh, you know, injustice and, and social injustice, you know. And that's what makes the, uh, the, the march valid, Richard, when you get all manner of people out there, all races are coming yeah. together. You know, you all can't that. because of the time, it's just, it's just some angry black it people, fake, you know. It was fake yeah, everybody, not only white people, yeah. the Caucasian people, Mexican people, Chinese people. Well, anybody can get offended while being arrested if you are in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, I would say that now since we are seeing all these atrocities happen, what is going to be done? You know, and we keep saying we're going to go off into another uh, election, and, and the people keep saying that they want to do this, and they want to do that, and they're going to do that, and we're going to bring America back alive again. I mean, America, to me, has never been alive. It's almost been a facade. You know what I'm saying? It's almost, we almost living on lies, and we live on false presentations. And, and every time the people that have been offended want to step up and speak up for themselves. We are considered to be radical people. We're seen to be in dislawlessness and bringing up disruption because the only way you can make a person listen is you almost have to act the, act the same way they act. You got to act ignorant. You know what I'm saying? You know, I hate to say like that, but my mom always said, you got to act ignorant. You got to be ignorant whenever you want somebody to pay attention to you. I know a lot of folks, you know, even in the city of Dallas, and we were, I was talking to a friend of mine, and we were talking about how uh, some of the city leaders in, in the city of Dallas, you know, back in the day when we were kind of teenagers, we used to see a lot of, you know, I'm not going to call them names right now, you know, but a lot of them, they wouldn't get any attention by, you know, some of our city leaders by trying to act within the system. In order for them to get attention, they had to go out and act, you know, this radical and crazy in order to get attention and get their attention. You know, I don't know whether this fear this fear this fear tactic comes into their mind because if you look at it, Reverend Lewis, the main thing is that these white people basically they really fear us, Reverend Lewis. They fear us, you know, and I'm not saying why should they fear us because, and I'm going to say it like it is, they fear us because deep inside, they really know they have wronged us over the years. How many years, Reverend Lewis? How, how many years you know, would you say you that we, we have been offended in, in America? It's been a lifetime, huh? and, you know, and, and it's time for all that to come to an end. And we know that we may not. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that though, but it's going to take a little bit longer than this here because of the uh, it's so embedded 
that they so is so embedded that the cultural and the mindset. And then, you know, as we are getting ready to uh, go into the uh, election season, I'm going to say it that way, it's very important for us to cast our vote. Whether we think it works or not, it's very important for us to let our voices be heard. It's very important for us to throw uh, our weight behind a particular candidate or behind a particular idea. I'm not going to tell you how to vote, but you can see for yourself and you can see the results of not participating in the election uh, uh, system here. You know for yourself uh, it, what profit a man to gain the whole world. Talk about people to making money. People say, well, I got mine. I'm sorry if you didn't get children. Wait a minute. Just because I got mine and this other brother don't have his, it's going to put a hardship on the whole economy, man, because that means that I'm in jeopardy of losing what I have. I'm in jeopardy of losing finance because if this person gets sick, I got to take care of him. Wait a minute. Why don't we make it? Why don't we put something in the system that if a person gets sick, they can be taken care of, man. I don't know what you've been doing. I'm not concerned with that, but I do. I am concerned about your well-being. I know we see people on the street all the time, and our heart goes out, and we help those people as we as we can. I'm talking about everybody in society, but we realize that we can't help everybody. But you ought to be guilty as a nation to trying to help as many people as you can. And then once you help them, they say, hey, the same thing I've done for you that you can go out and do for someone else. Brother Daniel, we got to change this situation. We got to change the mindset and the hearts of a well, nation. Well, well, you know, We don't want to be a nation that's that's uh, that having people dependent on us, or we don't want to disable people, or we don't want to have a social program to meet everybody's needs. You need to have programs for a while. And, and gradually wean them off of those things. If a man is unemployed, put some things in place to allow him to sustain a, a comfortable lifestyle until he's able to get back on his feet now. Now, if you don't want to do that, that's on him. But the situation is down. I was looking at the program the other day. And I, said, I, hey, I was unemployed. I went to the unemployment agency, and they had some training jobs there. And I applied for them, and I was able to uh, train and, and uh, get me a new career. You know, it's up to you. It's up to you. I'm talking about a person that doesn't uh, uh, they'll feel like they have any value. You do have value. And the way that you can show that you have value is by a participant in the elective uh, system, being a, uh, being a participant in social uh, uh uh, uh, in the social arena, been a participant in the in things around you. You can make a difference in the young uh, in the life of a young person, in the life of an older person. You do have value, brother. I'm so glad of what you were saying earlier. I was just piggybacking off of what you was talking about here, and you was hitting on some on, on some valid points here. That we too have to be very mindful of the arena in which we're in. I'm talking about the arena of life. Now, we can't go out there just willy-nilly and just not taking things lightheartedly. We have to be serious about everything that we do. And today, it's no different than what it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, even 30 years ago. You know, I was listening to some vintage music uh, by the artist that I like called Gil Scott, and he was saying, uh, a winner in America. You know, sometimes we feel like that we're in a, we're in a deep breeze. We feel like there ain't nothing going on. My finances is frozen. My health is frozen. We just in a deep freeze. But I want to tell you that the winter season is going to start out, and we are going to get through this. Sometimes we feel like that everybody got a pistol. Everybody got a gun. What can we do about that? We know that some people don't need a gun. This young man last week, they had a long gun, which was a rifle, and he was 17 years old. What is something you don't do with a gun? You know, he's not a video game. This is life. And, you know, and then, then Gil Scott, talking about Gil Scott, he said that everybody, uh, everybody got a, 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 a bowel. Everybody wants to try to medicate themselves. If I, if I mm. medicate myself, I don't have to face tomorrow. If I medicate mm. myself, things are going to be all right today. I beg to differ. That we got to be involved in, these, in life affairs. If not, we're going to get what we always got. And are you happy with where you're at now? Are you content with what you're going through now? I, I don't think so. I think you need to uh, do something about this. You can look around and see that men and women are unhappy. Men and women are just frustrated, Ricky. You know, 
uh, Martin Luther King made a statement that people overlook it sometimes. They said that the protests and riots are the voice of the unheard. You know, a lot of times people go out there, they get frustrated, man. They get frustrated. They feel like they're not getting their point across. And so they're going to they gonna get out there and they're going to march, and some people are going to take advantage of it. Some people want to disrupt the system. Some people are just going to do things like that. And we and that's the way things are. But we have to kind of like, okay, we need to kind of like get, get those people and let them know, hey, man, we don't want to do it like this. We want to bring this thing about in a decent and orderly fashion. You know, uh, uh, NBA did a great thing last week. They stopped. Man, all them guys got all this money. They got to go any place in the world. They can live the lifestyle of which states they, they have a desire to, but they stop participating. They say, hey, we're not going to go to work. We are unhappy with what's going on. My head goes off to those men. Those men are making a ton of money, Ricky. Those men are making a lot of money, but they say, hey, we're not going to play anymore until we address this social injustice. And guess what? And they did, and the owner said, okay, then we need these guys here. We need, we know, uh, uh, we have a compassion. We need leaders and organizers that have compassion. Well, well, Lewis, I got another we know point somebody to add. I got another point to add on that too. But that also have look at it like, like these these are players. Also, uh, I would say they almost like they're risking lives uh, or their family lives and family members' lives by participating in the contact sports. When this comfort COVID nineteen uh, virus is around us, and every day that me and you and everybody else and we go work, we are basically putting our lives in jeopardy, our health in jeopardy, by going doing a duty for another person, and basically we're making them richer. You know, I mean, we even might making a little money. You know, I'm not saying they making a little money, but believe me, those owners are filthy rich, Reverend Lewis. They are filthy. There's no amount of money can 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 compare to what they really paying these young men by these these games that they're playing every month. You know what I'm saying? There's no there's and we going back years. You know, some of these owners have been on these teams for 20 years, Reverend Lewis. Just look at all this money they had been putting back, you know. And then every time one of them asks for a little bit of money, they get mad at them. You know, well, you're making too much money. I can't, I can't pay you. I say, well, uh, where your money going? You know, I mean, and then why why can't they just all this lie to know that we're all tired of getting used too? Basically, that's what the statement, what they're saying, too. We're getting tired of using it being like a piece of meat. You know, we're making you richer. At the same time, the people around here are not speaking up. You're not getting the people on the, in, the, in the Congress and in the, in the, uh, the Senate. Or you're not getting the president even to pay attention to what's happening. And that's another thing, Reverend Lewis. I want to speak out on this. Uh, uh, this man has not given a publicly apology to what happened. He never do. You know, this tells uh call these people's family and basically tell them I'm sorry for what happened. I want to give my deepest regards for what happened. You know No. Never he never do it. You know? But at the same time, you want us to go around and wave a flag and say, we want America, this beautiful America, America. I mean, the main leader up there has no compassion for the human people or the people that he got in America up under him. You know, and and, and, and it's one another thing I like to say. Uh, I heard Brother uh, Old Pence talking about we're getting tired of America doing this and the people in America uh, I basically think that the the legal system or the, the police system should be totally reformed by having men and women that wants to be police officers. They need to have a thorough 
psychological test, uh, go back through some of their past, and basically the main pre-existing for a person to being a um, police officer is that most of them also have military background. You know what I'm saying? Most all of them have a real good use of a gun. They have been trained. Some even before they even get you know in this uh this school, you know they got a military. I mean, uh, police school they go to. They have to be trained. They have to take tests and shoot these guns. And sometimes I have saw that most of these targets you. They got the people on the targets. You know what I'm saying? Black boy, that black face. You you seen that before, haven't you? I seen some of the targets would have people's images on them and, and images, the images, the black images, the black images. Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying maybe, 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 psychologically wise, this this image that they basically shooting at, and you know they got to shoot so many rounds a day, revolution, you know. Every week they got to keep they got to keep this that at average up. They got to keep the marksmanship up. Guess what I'm saying? They get graded on this. And if you're not a marksman, basically sometimes you won't get an extra pay. You know what I'm saying? And and yeah. and I, I think that the I think I think that the system needs to be revamped. It has to be, of course, it and, yes, and, it and it's for you. This having this this person that's been in the military, don't let this be the first, the first choice of a person that's considered to be a, a, a police officer. Because basically, I have seen a lot of men that comes from being in the military, or they come from the war. A lot of them are also scarred too. You know, they're also scarred mentally. You know. And so what do you think, though, brother? You think it ought to be a regular uh, evaluation, a mental and physical evaluation, uh, on a uh, on a regular basis, and also some uh, some social uh, ethnic training courses that ought to be implemented throughout the year, not just once a year, but throughout the year, to help these men to stay engaged with their community and their social thing, and also bring to their attention what's going on with today's time. If people are just you know unemployment, they need to take those things into mind. If drug addiction is running rampant in the in particular neighborhood, they need to take that into mind before they take the matter of 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 uh, of arrest and things in hand. You know, uh, before they use a uh, capital punishment that they seem re- fit at that time. Because if you're in a neighborhood and you patrol a neighborhood, you know epidemic of uh, drugs is running rampant, and this guy running around out here naked. You know, you don't need to shoot this man. You, you know, there's something wrong with him, man. A doctor or something. Yeah, if you walk around and women are prostituting and guys are, are, are out there beating up the women and, and so-called pimps, that you need to be very mindful of that. Now, we know that every situation is different, but you need to take in that, uh, to account where you are and where you're going. If I'm going to domestic violence, I know that both sides are going to be heated. So I need to wait. Wait a minute now. Let me. You sell down here. We're not going to take you to jail. You sell down here. Let's talk about these things. If you want to just reach in your car, wait a minute. What are you going to get out your car? I said, let me see what's in your car first. You know, uh, let me see your hands. Thing like that. You don't have to, uh, you know, be violent with the person. It's a way of doing things, brother Daniel. And that's what they. That's what the training comes in at. You know, we need to be very mindful of that because you know, as when you are. Uh, uh, up in age, and we had encounters with the uh, uh, law officials at various times. We still have to be very mindful. When the police pull us up, we got to keep both hands on the wheel. We got mm-hmm. to say, wait a minute, I need to reach over here and grab my license, or, or wait a minute, or, or where I'm going. We cannot move at all. You know, wait a minute, he's going for a weapon, and they'll blast you, and guess what? They have a gun for you. I believe that they have a weapon that they can lend you while you land there on the crowd. <laughs> You know, you know, Reverend, I used to to watch a lot of TV, man. You know, I mean, one of the main uh, TV shows I used to watch was Adam Adam 12, you know. And I used to watch out of both of those. uh, You had a seasoned veteran and you had a rookie. And this seasoned veteran was basically trying to teach this rookie all the ropes of going around 
riding through the neighborhood, and he knew all the pimps and the snitches and all these different men, and they were just characters that he had in the neighborhood. But at the same time, and, you know, my daddy told me a long time ago, he said, if you keep riding around looking for something, you're going to find it. You know what I'm saying? So basically, if you look at the police, and they're basically riding around neighborhoods and scoundering around, and a lot of them used usually just get bored, man. You know what I'm saying? They want some action. You know, I used to hear them say, I'm on, let's get the movie. I'm ready to do something. You know, they're just, 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 just all wired up, man, just ready to do something, you know. And I think a lot of them, you know, uh, they get um, they get condemnations for doing good jobs, you know, and a lot of them want to move up on the on the jobs, you know, be uh, detectives, you know. That's the next step of being a lawman. You're a detective. That's an office job. It's kind of different between riding around in a squad car, you know, for eight hours and then sitting at a desk every day, you know. And then a lot of them not qualified to do that because you have to take a sensitive test and being a detective, you know. And so I would say, like, this training that needs to be done to these these men and women because it's something that's falling apart, you know. It's falling apart. If it wasn't the same, we wouldn't be getting the same results week after week after week. The same, and it's, yeah. and it's basically, it's it's a thing because our lives are in jeopardy. You yeah. know, and you know, Brother Daniel, uh, that's what they call what they call it. Talking about defunding the police, not so much as we want to abolish the police department or uh, all the program that's a part of, but just restructuring some of the money for just uh, uh, training. Uh, restructuring some of the money for neighborhood uh, awareness, just restructuring some of the money for uh, uh, for uh, mental illness. You know, we need to have doctors on case there. We need to have social worker that's available. You know, just like we got a paramedic, we need to have a social worker. Hey, you got domestic violence coming up here. You need uh, you need to have someone in there that can de-escalate the situation. Bring a social worker in here. Hey, man, we got this person here that knows how to handle family conflicts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so well, that's what I saw today, Reverend Lewis. Kill. I saw that uh, they had a social worker riding around with the with the with the with the officers in the squad car. Listen to me, listen to me for a minute. Now, this man here that was shot, now he didn't have to go through that if they had someone there that could be escalated. We realized that he may have been upset himself, but police is really in charge. We pay those men and women to make decisions when we can't make decisions. We pay those people to keep they they. They cool in the midst of a heated situation. We pay those people because we trust that their decision and their judgment will be fair overall. You know what I'm saying? We're not paying them to pick sides. We're not paying them to come out and just uh, eliminate the, the problem. We pray for them to be a mediator. You know, a police officer is a mediator. He's a mediator. Yeah, I had learned that a long time. They say, like, when you want a police man. officer to stop I think you. that's something that they forgot. You tell me that when a police officer stops you, you also are in his you are in his control. Basically, he's he's like your uh, judge and the jury and your executioner at the same time. You right? And if you put it like that, well, that's what well, I see. That's what it seems like. You know, well, he well, has you know, control control over your face at that time when he but stops you. But you do have rights, though. You, you you do have rights. Yeah, you got rights. You got rights. But the main the main the, the main thing they bring up is you resist the rest or you are trying to fight off what he's trying to do. He's trying to go through with the process of law enforcement and you're not uh acting accordingly the way he wants you to act. So basically what he goes he goes into a Know the mode that's saying he's going to be the jury. Right? And then after that, he's the executioner. Later on, he makes that final decision whether he's going to take <laughs> your life or end you. I mean, what I'm saying that's, that's the way it seems. Well, well we, you we know? pray they don't get to that point there, you know, but he does yeah, have, yeah. Uh, uh, he does have a, a, a more rights than what we are willing to allow him to have. But we do have some rights now. We have some things that we can't do, but we have to know how to use wisdom in the midst of our doing. Just because it's right don't mean that you, you have to uh, execute it. 
And we realize and I that, think, we're gonna, that our words are not going to be valid in the midst of that situation. They're going to take his account. He's a sworn peace officer, sworn to uphold the law. And that's the problem. They say he's sworn to uphold the law. I don't mean he will uphold uh-huh. it, but he's sworn. So his his word is going to carry weight. And a lot of times we get ourselves in a situation. I'm talking about people in general that we already have a criminal background or have a, uh, a history in the justice system. That's what gets us because they have a reason to stop. Even this, you know, man, they say, well, we got a, a, a arrest a warrant for him for committing some kind of an assault some time ago. We, we don't know if it's valid or not, but they can always hold you for that. That you know, when I was a lot younger, or uh, uh, I thank God for watching over me. I was stopped by the police one time, and I didn't have a criminal record. And the police said, "All y'all need a criminal record." I got to yeah, they get mad. They get mad at it. <laughs> need a criminal record. All poor people need a criminal record. Yeah, but record. See, that's a stereotype. They that's going by. They think that yeah. all black men gonna do something wrong. Are they doing something wrong? Yeah, and that's where they can hold you too. They can they can keep you. They can take you down and lock you up and, and, and hold you for a certain length of time because they they say, well, if you got a record, we're going to hold him and then we do some investigation. And so it's very important mm-hmm. for us as a, as, as a society, as young men, to keep ourselves uh, uh, out, of, uh, uh, out of things that's going to cause us to have a conflict with the law. Keep our uh, criminal record clean. Uh, don't, don't develop a criminal record. Uh, don't have any... Uh, any engagement with the law enforcement and the justice system. But it's almost too late for us because we have a number of brothers and sisters that's been incarcerated. Well, how do you do that? How do you get past that there, Ricky? I'm glad you asked. There's programs and there's organizations that's in place right now to expunge people's uh, criminal record, to allow men and women to come out of jail and to have a uh, uh, and to still live a productive life, amen. There's some things that uh, cost of jobs. There's a, uh, uh, there's some organizations. There's some uh, play, uh, things in place. Go on a job that you've been an ex-offender. You don't have to check that box and say I've been incarcerated. You know because so, that's so when you're saying expulsion, Revenue, what, what what way are you talking expulsion? You talking about permanently? Deleting the record of arrest off a person's uh, uh, record, you know, you're talking about permanently, you know, and then I, I come to find out it's a little different between both of them because basically records really they don't go nowhere most of the time. You might get off a, they call it sealing them, you know, they seal the records, and basically came the computer. And that's another thing I learned that the computer, it being a computer, it never forgets anything. It always can be <laughs> pulled up. It always can be sent to another uh, state, another. You know, like the the FBI also keeps a, another set of records on us too, whether you know it or not. You know. Yeah. You know, brother Daniel, I laugh about that because you said don't forget anything. It, it's it, it, computer is not a a, a living organism. It's just a, a a set of a, a the banks, the, the, the banks. Com- what I'm trying to say is that the the, the memory of banks never forget anything. Yeah, you know, but, unless they unless you can delete it yourself. But most of the yeah, time, yeah, these, it, these, it, these, uh, these records are basically they're sealed and they sell them somewhere else. You know, I don't know. Maybe there's a main branch that keeps everybody dirt on everybody. I put it like that. I remember you remember back in the day when I was learning about uh uh, J. Edgar Hoover, he kept records on everybody, all the different political people and the presidents, and he, he kept all his own little file cards <laughs> in his own little private, you know, stash, you know, and he kept records on everybody, you know, and he almost had something on all the different presidents, and they couldn't do nothing. He, he, had, he had them about a, I would say, he had them about a, I ain't going to say it, but you know what he had them by, and they couldn't do nothing. Because he had done on all of them, and so maybe there's some 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 base somewhere somewhere they still keeping stuff on us, and we never know about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they keep. We never would know. We never would know about it. What's going on? But I believe nothing that's ever done ain't gonna be remembered. I'll put it like that. Yeah, yeah. And we're living in, like I'm saying, we're living in the day nowadays that you know it might not be brought up at that time. But when it's really needed, we can bring it back up. 
I'll put it like that. Yeah, and it's you as know. simple as it's as simple as just googling your name, brother Dane. You can pull up googling your name, your name. You as, much, as much as you can about it. And that's another thing I'm gonna say. When we say we put these police officers in a car, and with this case worker, or uh, this uh, uh, this person that's also riding around this police officer, he can basically when we stop a person, you pull his name up. You pull up his background, you pull up all the mental problems he has, whether he's been incarcerated, what he have done in the last ten years or twenty whenever, you know, you basically you can bring up you can break up profile on what's wrong with this person right now. You know, you know, I, I remember one of the main things of why I thought that uh Floyd they didn't know that he had you know, had been in jail and they kept asking the people, What's wrong with him? You you saw the video, yeah, and the lady yeah, said, "Well, he's just yeah. been in jail last week, and he was afraid to go back to jail." Yeah. Why didn't they know? Why didn't they know? That bro- brother Daniel, let me let me put a, a, a let me a lay something down beside him. You know, as we are, uh, it's important for us to keep our records as clean as possible. Our young men, they need to know that hey, what they do right now will follow them the rest of their lives. And so, unless they have in a uh, in a background a criminal record, the better off they are. Because that's one way that they can hold you hostage and 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 hold you for things that you hadn't done. And that was the big conflict is because a lot of us, uh, I'm talking about minorities, they have a criminal background record and they're fearful that hey, this may be held against me. So when I get stopped by the police, I want to flight. I want to fight. I want to get out of this situation. I encourage our young men and old men, yes, these things may be on you. Yes, these things are going to always be a part of your life, but you can overcome these things. You can use wisdom to get out of this situation. And so we don't have to be fearful of And that's the purpose of our show, man, being free on the inside, uh, Ricky. You know, you're being free, man. Hey, I made some mistakes, but I got this freedom to go on and live a life that's pleasing. You know, and have a family, and have a career, and and have a and have respect in the neighborhood. I have this freedom to make mistakes. I have this freedom to live past my mistakes. Being free on the inside, this morning just a slogan. It's a lifestyle, brother. And that's why each and every week we come on here, we try to inform you, to challenge you, and to encourage you to be all you can be, and to help change your life. You know, sometimes just by just living a life, you change your life. Because people say, hey, man, I see you get up every morning and go to work. I see you have been laid off, but you still hadn't lost your mind. I see you struggling financially, but you're still able to uh, uh, take care of the things that you need to take care of to survive in this world. That's freedom right there, brother. You get freedom to get up out of bed. Mm-hmm. You get freedom to go down to the marketplace and to make a deal on some things that you may need for your family. A lot of us, brother Daniel, a lot of us have lost that freedom, brother. A lot of us feel like that we've been held hostage. And so we want to medicate ourselves, and we want to uh, throw our weight around because we are angry and we are bitter, and, and, but it's not going to make anything better. You know, sometimes we try to cover up our failures and our faults and our insecurity by trying to uh, medicate ourselves, by trying to uh, 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 overdress ourselves, by trying to overtalk you know what I'm saying? We use those things mm-hmm. to mask our insecurity. But that freedom, brother, that freedom, that freedom is what we talk about. And that freedom comes from above, man. That freedom allows us to get up and do what we do. You know, and this program may not ever be listened to. And, man, you may be the only one that ever paid any attention to what's going on at this time. But it still had that freedom said, man, I've done the best I can. And guess what? God will be pleased with it. Because you know what we was talking about, mm-hmm. how that computer keeps information and data? It's just going to be on there as long as we live. So they're going to be able to pull this archive up 50 years from now. And they say, wow, those guys were talking about something that was affected. And guess what? We don't have those things today because they address some yeah. of the issues, you know, yeah. with the injustice. You know, so this is a, yeah, uh, you know, when you so talk about, you're mad, talking about being stopped, I remember one time uh, I had a, I was working for a, a, my job and I took a lunch break and I went through the fire park one time and you know my I live behind the fire park in some apartments you know and back in that day I was real quick I could walk home real quick and 
run most of the time, you know. And, and I got over there by this lagoon over here, and then all of a sudden this police officer got behind me, and he said, hey, hey, stop, stop. I said, what's wrong, man? He said, you stop. So I stopped. And uh, he went off in my pocket, and he looked and said, what you doing? Just put a knife in your pocket. A putty knife? I said, man, I'm a custodian, man. I mean, I work at a schoolhouse. No, no, you use this to bring in cars. <laughs> I said, oh, man. <laughs> and, you know, about, about two minutes later, another officer came by. He said, no, hell, oh, man. No, no, we got the guy, man, down the street, man. We got we got him. We got him. We got him. And he, and he couldn't even apologize to me, man, by just saying the things he said. Because, you know, he looked like he was cute, you know. Up. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, yeah, it made it made him look kind of dumb by what he did, you know. And yeah. at that same time, I could have went off, you know. But then again, me to have the mind I had, even at my age, that when I was then, you know, I still had a little knowledge about police brutality and stuff like this. So I just said, well, I just chalked that up to the game, you know. That's all we go through. That's all we go through in life. Us being black men, he couldn't see anybody else. And you know, you know the Farrell Park kind of around in the it's in the ghetto, man. You know what I'm saying? And they in that little noble museums and stuff, the people parking cars off in there. And I guess the people was in there doing something. You know what I'm saying? But you know, my little walk was go, going through the most of the Farrell, and I get on the other side, and I go out the gate, and I get into my house. I did it most of every other day. I could do it. I was real quick in doing it. And so on uh, that day, I guess it just wasn't my time. You know what I'm saying? Just to just to be free that day, you know, and, and basically, I was real close with probably getting arrested, you know. But God, yeah. was with me I'm that glad day. it wasn't your time. I'm, I'm glad it yeah. wasn't your time. But then we get ready to get on out of here, and, and I want to thank you, man, for uh, you know making the show the way it is now. If we talk about this social injustice, we want to be very mindful that the things that have been going on for a number of years, but we can, we can intervene and we can make a difference, help change a life in the community, in the city, in the state, in the country. You know, help change life. There's some men and women have lost their life. I got a list of people here, man, that have uh, went on. We got a manual. Uh, now, these are people that have been affected, that lost their life behind police violence. And yesterday, they were brought to mm. attention on the march on Washington. It's called Emmanuel. His name is Emmanuel Lewis. Philip. That's Emmanuel. you, huh? That's your David name, huh? Jones. <laughs> Michael, Michael Brown. Eric Garner, Oscar Grant, Bolton John, Freddie Gray, Joel Escobedo, Jacob Blake, George Floyd, Terrell Martin, Sarah Blake, mm. Benita Taylor. These are people, man, that have lost their life. And, it, and the list goes on and on and on. You know, my heart is heavy. Oh, no, no. My heart is heavy about what's going on because it could be my grandson, it could be my granddaughter, it could be your son or your daughter, it could be you or me. And and we want to thank uh the uh men and women that's going out on a regular basis, not the ones that's tearing up and riding, but the ones that that is making a uh a attempt to do a social change. And we got to do our part too. We got to go vote. We got to encourage other people to vote. And, you know, and I like what the, mm. and I said it earlier, and I didn't get a chance to make mention of it, how the, the NBA said, hey, man, we're going to set up some of our stadiums for a polling stations. Now, that's awesome now, man. You know, because we got a lot of sports. Well, you know, I got another thing about that. I want also wonder, you know, since sports got a big impact on um, the people, and they're so afraid of people being at these games with this COVID-19. I would say, why don't you make that one of the main things they do when a person wants to be like a season ticket holder? Just let them take a COVID-19 test. You know what I'm saying? Put them inside this uh, this uh, whatever deal, a hotel or whatever they got around this area. Have all the people that's in both alike or been tested, they all keep all them around each other. And then let them in the stadiums. You know what I'm saying? 
if you really worried about losing money, I think the season ticket owners own the most money, and they basically they control what happens with the uh, with the football deal and everybody to buy tickets. So, since the sport has so many so much influence in people, that they should go into the voting. The voting should be the same way. This test everybody that's going to vote too. You know what I'm saying? If you're afraid of going to that's my that's probably been the main thing. Them being afraid to go to the polling sites. People do everything else they want to do. You know what I'm saying? They go to these islands, yeah. they go to clubs, they go out to eat, and they go in the Walmart around each other. You know what I'm saying? You use the machines in Walmart. You go in, you got to scan your, your items when you leave out. So what what's the difference between you going to a poll with a mask on and you making a vote to change the world, this country. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's I'm, what you got to do. We got to change what's going on. There got to be a change going on within the yeah. We cannot and live so the next four years the way we're going yeah. now. And yeah. I leave it that's like so that. Now, that's, yes, yes, that's so true. And that's what we have to do. We have to have a made-up mind. And that we're, you know, the change starts, and it starts with us. So we have to take ownership of this here. You know, if, uh, if we end up doing the yeah. same thing that we always done, who fault is it? Is it yours or is it mine? Maybe I had something to do with that. Maybe if I would have made a change, it would affect how you how you govern your life. And, you know, we uh, a lot of us are upset about this uh, political system. We're upset about the, uh, the economy. We're upset about our health. So, yes, make a difference. Get out there and cash your vote. Get out there and, and follow the rules that's been set aside through our uh, elected officials and our health and our health officials and, and follow the rules and do the right thing. Now, you know, because we know that God has the ultimate say-so on everything that we do. But God, so mm-hmm. God needs us, you know, his behalf here on earth. He said, go, therefore, if baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He said, go. Go to the polls. Go out to the vote. Go out and let your petition be known unto man. You know, I, I did a message a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about the unjust judge, and they said this lady was uh, uh, she felt like that she had been wrong, and she went to the judge, and she kept going and going. The judge said, "Hey, I don't care about her or God, but this lady, she uh, she worries me, she bothers me, she nags me. We have to we have to bother." Our elected officials, we got to worry our elected officials, and we got to nag the heck out of our elected officials to let them know that things isn't right, to let them know that we expect hmm. to change out of them. And guess what? And that change started with a change of life in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the way you get their attention. Well, I tell you, first, the only way you can get their attention is got to nag them and act the fool. You know, that's pitiful that's why that we have to be care. like that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, but guess what? It gets their attention. It keep them up at night. It make them wonder about during the day. We're not going to do anything violent and go out and, and just loot and tear, but we're going to let them know, hey, just stay in the right. When they go out to dinner. You're dumb and wrong. My dad is saying, you're dumb and wrong. You're dumb and wrong. They're doing it wrong. There's no other way around it. People are getting tired of being oppressed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that they are. Brother Daniel, we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to get out of here, okay? Brother Daniel, again, thank yes. you, thank you, thank you for making the show what it is today. We talk about social injustice along with other some other things. But I want to encourage you and our listening audience to be involved in what's going on in the community, to be involved in social programs, to be involved in the life of a young man or a young woman. Help change the life. In Jesus' name. Grace to the Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Dear Lord, as as we contemplate of the world of Pharaoh, let us be mindful, dear Lord, that you still hold our power in your hand. Let us be mindful, dear Lord, that nothing goes on without you being aware of it. Dear Lord, we thank you for the men and women in which you have established at such a time. Thank you for bringing back our remembrance, dear Lord, that we can make a difference. Thank you, dear Lord, for how you watched over us so many, many years, dear Lord. I'm talking about the human race. I'm talking about the black race. I'm talking about your people, dear Lord. Dear Lord, Thank you, dear Lord. You have no respect of person, dear Lord. You uh, you want us all to be up under uh, one uh, mindset and one heart, serving one God, dear Lord. 
We ask you to continue to work your wonder-working power, continue to encourage us, protect us, and watch over us. Dear Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to share your word with your people. Help change your life in Jesus' right name. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Be strong Amen. in the Lord and his might until we meet again in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, be free on the inside. Thank <laughs> you.